Welcome to this archived LDN Research Trust conference presentation. We hope you enjoy it. Good morning, everybody out there. It reminds me of the first, yeah, that reminds me of the first one, too. Uh, it reminds me of the first LDN conference that I went to in New York City with Dr. Gluck put that together. There's about this many people here, and it was nobody knew anything about LDN. Some bookkeeping, people I want to thank. First of all, I, want, I do want to thank Dr. Bahari. Um, I spent hours on the telephone with him over a period of three or four years. I also want to thank Dr. Gluck, who hasn't been mentioned here. Um, in the early days, he was the pusher and the shaker. Uh, and Dr. Crowley, who is one of my personal heroes. I want to thank my students. Um, I'm a, uh, an adjunct, and one of the ways that I believe that we are going to educate our next population is by bringing them in and making them do these things. Uh, I get a lot of kids on my rotation because they think it's compounding, and then they come in, and if it's compounding, they spend at least 40 hours in a month talking about LDN. Uh, Sarah Rudnick, where's Sarah? Raise your hand. Any of those folks out there who are physicians and who like their college of medicine, get her in your college, okay? She is a high school student that is uh, ready to go to medical school, in my opinion. Uh, Julia Skopek, she's my editor and my friend my wife, Claudette, and all of those people who took the risk. Um, 20 years ago, nobody really knew that much about naltrexone, and uh, there were things that were put out there and talked about and everything else, but really, a patient's going to take a risk to take this drug. So, thank you for all of that. Um, I hope this is right. Ah, okay. So, um, why do I do this? Or, uh, yeah, I make 20 cents a prescription. Um, my wife and I are not going to Europe this year based on the LDN money. Um, do not, this, this is a pharmacist presentation, not a physician presentation. Um, you can always get a hold of your doctor, and that's what I would do. Okay, so blah, 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 I'm a wonderful guy. <clears throat> Just ask me. Okay. Um, the Vanderbilt uh, conference, I presented a study of about, a, uh, it was called a study at that time, of about 1,000 people. Um, and then I challenged the physicians to go out there and let's start making uh, good science, like Dr. Younger is talking about. Is this good science? You know what? I ask patients. I talk to patients all day long. My students talk to patients all day long. Um, I believe that our best critics are going to be our patients. Did they get better? During that Vanderbilt study, though, um, after challenging it, or challenging the physicians, one came up to me and says, you know what? Why don't you do it? Okay, if I had only known 
what was involved. We had a total of 3,329 patients. We asked them 10 questions. You figure out the, the mathematics on that. Thank God for Sarah, because Sarah made um, a lot of headway in these numbers. These numbers are jumbled. They're all over the place. She put them together um, for me so I can stand up here and sound like I know what I'm talking about. When we started asking the question, first question is, what's your diagnosis? And we had some 160-something diagnoses. But we'd have three or four people, and we didn't think that the strength of that was enough to actually report. So I went through the list and picked out the top, actually we picked out the top 10. That got whittled down um, to the ones that we're going to be presenting today. Rheumatoid arthritis. I have rheumatoid arthritis. I have had rheumatoid arthritis since I was 12 years old. There is no drug that I haven't taken. Remember, I'm a pharmacist. I can get anything. I have not, um, about 13 years ago, I was challenged to take it myself. Shut up, Skip. You know, do it. Well, I don't know if you can see my fingers, but I was incapable of doing that 13 years ago. Placebo effect? Not in my life. This is not placebo effect, okay? This is an N equals one study, but I'll tell you I'm a proponent for rheumatoid arthritis. Fibromyalgia, it was one of our biggies. Um, irritable bowel syndrome, we lumped that all together because you would be surprised how many people out there taking low-dose naltrexone don't know why they're taking low-dose naltrexone, don't have a diagnosis. So we, we lumped that together. ALS, I was amazed with ALS. And multiple sclerosis. Multiple sclerosis has been something that we've been involved with for 15 years. Okay, the procedure. What we did is uh, June in uh, 2012, we started, gave my students pieces of paper, filled them out. When we get a telephone call, I want you to answer them. I got stacks and stacks and stacks of paper. Till about halfway through, then we went, we computerized. And again, those who know me, you know computers are not my thing. They were all six-year pharmacy students. They were all either online to be summa cum laude or were summa cum laude. I don't like stupid people. I love smart students because they will challenge me at every point. Um, the data was collected and collated by our pharmacy residents. Um, 3,329 patients were either contacted directly or they signed up through the uh, there was an AOL LDN study uh, group that we put out there. 814 patients dropped out, and they dropped out. First one was for noncompliance, and that was a big one. Uh, you'll see one of the things that I wanted them to do is keep some sort of diary of what was going on. Um, lost contact, people die, people move, people stop. Um, we couldn't get a hold of them, and death. Actually, our uh, number one patient died just this past year. 
What was the patient population? They had to be naltrexone naive. That means to say that they had never taken naltrexone. They agreed to a symptom diary. That was our biggest problem. Most people had an issue with keeping a symptom diary. Uh, they agreed to uh, report the results after three years, and I can tell you that we hassled these people after three years. Uh, we obtained naltrexone from a U.S. compounding uh, pharmacy. Yes, I'm a nationalist, and I believe that the uh, medical and pharmacy system in the United States is the best in the world. We had an 80 to 95 percent compliance rate, which is to say that the patients had to be taking them 80 to 95 percent of the time. Okay, this is our, uh, our pie chart. Um, as you can see, MS, fibromyalgia, uh, IBS. RA was a relatively new addition, uh, and ALS, because like I'm going to tell you, this, this is interesting information. Okay, rheumatoid arthritis. Um, probably should have put the graphs in first. What we did was we averaged out responses. It was on a scale of one to five. We averaged out responses. Um, so we used pain because most of the things that we studied, there was a component that involved pain. It was easy. Um, there were a lot of other questions that weren't so easy, but for this presentation, we're only going to go through the first three questions asked. Um, the pain mean before taking was 2.5. It's 2.5 of a scale of uh, 1 to 5. For those of you who are familiar with a pain scale of 1 to 10, this is 5. Um, the mean pain scale after was 0 0.550, okay, which means that they went from, on an average, of 2.5 to 0.55. The mean difference is uh, approximately two. That's a big number. For anybody that has arthritis, if you can reduce your pain by 50%, you are all happy campers. Um, symptoms mean before. Um, what were the symptoms? Um, there's a host of symptoms that we looked at. We combined them. Um, prior to 4.1, uh, sleep disturbances was one of the big things. A lot of people wake up in the middle of the night with pain. Um, afterwards, 1.5, the mean symptom difference is 2.6. That's a big number. You're cutting the symptoms by 50%. Now, add the 50% or look at the 50% of pain relief and look at the 50% approximately of the, um, the symptom relief as a person who has arthritis. I'm here to testify that this is a major, major change. Change in my life, and I was planning on retiring right after Vanderbilt. Um, my arthritis started to feel better. I didn't retire, although I did retire last Saturday, so. So, rheumatoid arthritis. Graphically, this is what it looks like. This is a big number. This is a major difference. Uh, people who have arthritis with these sort of numbers, 
they just love me. They think I'm the best thing since sliced bread because I sell them their naltrexone. Um, comparison of symptoms, again, big, big change. Big change in the number. If there was no effect, this change would not be that big. This change would be probably just about equal here, okay? Um, that's the only intervention we asked about, okay? Um, and this is a survey. This isn't a study. Now, I was corrected after Vanderbilt when I called my thing a study, but man, I really honestly don't know the difference between a survey and a study. But nonetheless, fibromyalgia, okay, fibromyalgia for some reason is becoming a uh, tremendous part of our practice. It's, it's probably the fastest growing uh, percentage of uh, diagnosis. Again, mean pain scale, 4.33. These people are hurting. The people, and another thing, when they get to us, they have already exhausted everything out there in, you know, real medicine or whatever you want to call that other thing over there, uh, non-alternative medicine. Uh, by the time they get to us, they're really hurting. They're really, these are sick people. So, pain scale for fibromyalgia, 4.3 to start off with. That's pretty high. That's an average. Uh, Afterwards, 2.23. Pain difference, 2.08. I can tell you there's probably no fibromyalgia patients in this room who wouldn't love to have this sort of results. Uh, symptoms before, and again, we looked at you know sleeping and uh, a bunch of other things. We all added them together, and we came up with the um, 3.64, uh, 1.19. 2.45, half of their... Total possible pain has been reduced. Total possible um, symptoms have been reduced. Um, as was said before, uh, I've been involved with clinical studies for large companies. If I had these sorts of numbers, I probably would have been fired because these are almost unbelievable. I collected some of the data. I looked at some of the data, but for the most part, the data was analyzed by either my students or Sarah. Um, so I don't have any, in, well, I probably have influence, but I don't have that much influence in it. Um, again, compare the two, 4.3, 2.3. Big number in pain, big number. Um, the comparisons of other symptoms, again, 3.36 to 1.19, another big difference. This stuff is working. Um, one of the doctors came up to me this morning and said, I read the, your portion of the LDN book, and I'm a Red Sox fan, so sorry, dude. Um, made a comment in there about placebo effects, okay? I do not care if LDN has a placebo effect with my arthritis, okay? I don't care. All I know is the pain is gone. That's a good thing. So, irritable bowel syndrome. Uh, pain was not that much of a big deal, but, you know, these people are still in pain. Uh, 1.2, 
um, afterwards, 0 0.065. The difference is remarkable. Um, other symptoms, diarrhea, constipation, whatever they, they claim, uh, 1.75, that got reduced to 0 0.668, means symptoms 1.08. Another big deal. As a matter of fact, there's none of these that aren't a big deal. Okay, so again, you see this um, comparison visually. I'm a visual guy, so this really works well for me. So the pain goes down and the other symptoms go down. Multiple sclerosis. This is where we first started out with low-dose naltrexone. Um, I had a patient who called me in 99 and said, hey, what do you know about low-dose naltrexone? And I said, nothing. And he says, well, here, here's a couple names to call. One of them was Dr. Zagon, and the other one was Dr. Bahari. Uh, Dr. Zagon didn't return my phone call. Dr. Bahari did, and that started a relationship with he and I um, that lasted until he passed. Multiple sclerosis. Pain. Pain is not that, supposedly, not that much of a big deal. 1.6. Uh, pain afterwards, 0.615. The difference is 1.061. I can tell you we've had more uh, multiple sclerosis patients over the last 16 years than we've had anybody else. Um, pain wasn't that much of a deal. The symptoms were. Uh, but if you look at the symptoms, they were reduced. Somebody asked how long of a, uh, a duration our longest patient, and unfortunately she passed just this past uh, year, and uh, she actually died of um, complications from bladder cancer. Um, her MS was, was not progressing, let's put it that way. So, um, again, Visual, compare the difference between the two. It is a remarkable difference. You know, the question is, uh, is always posed, well, you know, why don't you do a, a study? Um, this cost us several thousands of dollars. Um, oh yeah, I wanna thank my partners too because for the last six months, this is all I've been doing is, is getting these numbers together. Um, so they sort of picked up the, uh, what was left over. Um, again, comparisons of symptoms. There was a reduction. How much? Does it matter? Yeah, it does matter because those MS patients, and, and this is why we're here, we're, we're here to help our patients, these patients felt better. They got better, okay? Placebo effect, not one of those people care whether this is a placebo effect. Those patients care about how I feel. How I, how's my, uh, you know, activities of daily living. And how much it costs, okay? Um, and it costs a lot to be treated not with LDN. Okay, Lou Gehrig's. Now, this was a really interesting, okay? 
Um, my knowledge of Lou Gehrig's is very minimal. I do know you're going to die. Um, pain. With the patients that we had, pain was a big deal. They were always hurting. Symptoms. They were getting weaker. They were feeling uh, low-key. You know, they were feeling... Uh, Somebody said, well, you know, I don't know I, if I have ALS. I think I have fibromyalgia chronic fatigue. Okay, whatever. Your diagnosis is Lou Gehrig's, so uh, that's what we're looking at. So the pain difference, you know, again, was significant, but the symptoms difference, even though it's a lower number relative to other comparisons, that's still a big deal. How many of you guys out there have seen an ALS patient's symptoms start to resolve. Now, they, none of them are absolutely resolved. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that these people are getting to feel better. Strength-wise, you know, the ability to move, all got better on them. That was one of the questions that we asked. Okay, again, the charts. Um, you can see visually the difference between uh, pain um, and how it was reduced. Now, um, I don't know if I can say that uh, low-dose naltrexone is not an analgesic. It might be an analgesic. Who knows? Without studies, like we were, uh, Dr. Younger was talking about before, we really can't tell you for sure. But on all of these diagnoses, the pain went down. So there is an analgesic component that's involved with this. Symptoms, and this was the big thing in my mind, okay, that an ALS patient's symptoms were going away. I don't know of any other therapies that help with that. There could be. I just don't know about it. So, um, okay, side effect profile. Uh, there was a total of 774 um, patients that were dropped. Sleep, uh, sleep disturbances, uh, vivid dreams, um, waking up in a cold sweat, screaming and hollering, having crazy nightmares, um, was enough for 8% of our population. This number corresponds to the same number at the survey in Vanderbilt. It also corresponds to the very first survey that we did for the uh, New York um, presentations. They were all right around 8%. So take it to the bank, 8% is what you're going to experience. Return of symptoms. You know, there's the, the question, well, you know, three, four, five months down the line, you know, these people are starting to feel better, and then all of a sudden they hit the wall. Um, why? I don't know. Um, and then there were another 2% of the patients, for one reason or another, dropped out of the study. This was the MS study. Okay. Um, I'm done. Uh, I would very much like if anybody wants to uh, jump in here and help us with the uh, crunching of the numbers. Um, if there are uh, those of you out there who are interested in doing a clinical trial and would like to have this information, we would be more than happy to provide it if it's in a, an appropriate setting. 
Uh, we are not going to commercialize this. We told our patients we weren't going to commercialize this. All we were going to do is present it to a, uh, a scientific environment, and I think that's what we did. Stay tuned. There's another eight questions that are going to be answered, and at the LDN conference, uh, hopefully we'll be invited back. And I'd also like to thank these folks here for this is a hell of a job that they put together. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this presentation. All past conference presentations can be found on our website, www.ldnresearchtrust.org.